Good afternoon. I'm Brett McGarry along with Greg Mackling. Hi, Greg. I'm sitting here like a dog looking out the window, panting, wishing I was outside. It's not hot in the studio, but hotter outside. Love to be out there right now. Yeah. Looks it's like a uh, gorgeous day. It is a beautiful day. It doesn't look all that windy. Yeah, it would be. Although maybe if you are outside, a little bit of a breeze wouldn't be so bad right now. But uh, I would take it. I'd be quite content. I'm finding as I'm getting older, when I was a kid, I used to, don't get me wrong, I liked the hot days, especially if I was at a pool or at the beach or whatever, but sure. uh, they're the really hot days I would find difficulty with, but mm-hmm. now as I get older, I, I, I'm starting to enjoy them a little bit more. Maybe it's maybe it's just because my bones aren't as stiff and what have you when when the heat comes out. Maybe, maybe your bones have more protection now than they used to. Uh... Are you talking about that? No, I'm just saying. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not as big a fan as the heat as I once was, although I, I still do like it. I like it hot. Oh, no, I like that. I'm, I'm liking the heat more, though, as I'm getting older. Oh, you're liking it more. Sorry. Yeah. See, yeah. I was listening, but not listening closely enough. I probably just uh, didn't explain that well. It's all good, my man. Hey, uh, one of the top events of Canada Day weekend was what happened Saturday at Portage and Maine. Pictures, video, and a time-lapse video that the BBC shared has been viewed millions of times. It's really brought some notoriety to Winnipeg and how we celebrated Canada Day. Yep. And the gentleman responsible for the time-lapse video that I'm sure you have seen by now joins us now. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Doing good, Dan Harper. How are things with you? Uh, great and busy and very sunny and happy outside. I agree with the the window panting. I'd rather be out there. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming inside for a little bit, and we wanted to thank you, first of all, for your incredible work on Saturday. How did you get involved with the uh, Living Flag project for Portage and Maine? Well, so this is the Downtown Winnipeg Business Initiative. They've been doing it since, I think, 2011. And I came on board, I believe it was 2012, because Canada Post contacted me directly because they wanted a national stamp. (laughs) And so my photo in 2012 was used as a national stamp, which is one of the biggest honours I've ever had. Um, And then since then, uh, you know, obviously they love my work and I've stuck with them for the last few years. We had... Uh, it a couple times right in front of the Museum uh, of Human Rights, and then we did a couple years of the Gold Eyes. And the best idea in the universe that they've been trying to make happen for years was using Portage and Maine. Um, so it's really, you know, I'm getting some props, but it's the downtown Winnipeg biz who just knocked us out of the park. They're amazing. So where were you perched? Like, how did you? What did you have to do to make the time lapse video happen? So the. Um, uh, the pictures I took and the time lapse I took from the top of, of 201 Portage uh, used to be Can West, used to be um, a couple of different names, but it's 201 Portage. The it's the building that that you can stand on, which is the highest in Winnipeg, and they actually have a really nice. A lot of people are saying, "Whoa, were you strapped in? Were you hanging off precariously?" I wasn't actually. I I didn't need any safety gear for this particular shoot because uh, we had a perfectly large roof ledge, which was right up uh, almost to my armpits. Um, so, you know, obviously there was myself and one other photographer who was working for the Canadian press up there, uh, but didn't need any safety gear. Um, so we were taking it from up there. The only thing that was slightly precarious was actually the time-lapse camera (laughs) because, um, the ledge that we were using doesn't have any easy way to attach anything to it. 
So I had my tripod slightly hanging off the edge, but it was secured down uh, behind on the roof, so it wasn't going anywhere. That's the the most obviously important thing when I'm when I'm shooting from a helicopter or a plane or a roof is don't drop anything. <laughs> well, yeah. So you had so was your camera then? If the the tripod was sort of hunched over the ledge, was the camera then essentially suspended midair? So the so the the time the camera that I used for the time lapse was just a little GoPro. Actually, they're great at creating time lapses, and it was it was kind of hanging over the edge a little bit, just secured with the tripod, but it was totally secure. Uh, and then the camera that I used to take it was a higher megapixel um, camera. Um, you know, obviously, because you being that far away, you want all the detail you can get. Um, but that was just secured to my wrist. Um, uh, you know, double strapped around my wrist. You're not afraid of heights, apparently, Dan. Not anymore. (laughs) I used to be. But you know, it's funny you mentioned that because sometimes when you go up to the roofs like that, you know, and I do that a lot for Tourism Winnipeg, for Travel Manitoba, for a couple of the different, uh, you know, tourism agencies in the city, you, you know, I, I get a little bit of vertigo right off the bat, but I'm so, I'm concentrating so much on actually getting a good shot that, you know, you have to get that shot. And if you don't get that shot, you know, you failed, right? And so you kind of forget about anything else other than getting the shot. I heard somewhere yesterday that a trillion photos a a day are taken on our mobile devices. I don't know if that surprised me at all. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Let's pretend it is. Let's pretend it's a, a billion a day. Obviously... Uh, capturing uh, moments in time has become a big part of what we do. In fact, we sacrifice, in my opinion, quite often seeing things that are uh, life-size to watch it and view it on a on a you know a three by six uh, screen. Yep. Quite often, in order to prove that we were there or to capture that moment in time. What what are some genuine tips that you could give people, Dan, in terms of capturing a moment uh, in in an in an instant? So, so this is a good tip that I, I was just reminded of yesterday by my wife who came home. Uh, I think it was just Walmart that she went to and she just hooked up her, her cell phone uh, to their system and she printed off a handful of photos of uh, me and our kids, uh, some nice little cute ones that we'd taken recently. So that's my number one tip is print stuff <laughs> because, uh, you know, there was actually an article in the Free Press today, I believe, about, you know, the, the age that we live in and the fact that people don't print uh, much anymore. But that's huge because, first of all, backup. Second of all, print. And by printing, you're technically making another backup of your photos. Um, you know, store them in a shoebox if you have to. Put them in an album if you can afford it. But just print some stuff because it's great. You know, with this uh, Living Maple Leaf, there's a bunch of people that have contacted me for prints of it. And they said, you know, I come from an age where we used to print stuff. And I'm like, yeah, me too. You know, it's called the 80s. <laughs> you know, I, we, we, I loved having a physical piece of something in your hand that you can put on the wall, that you can put on your cubicle, that you can actually have. And that's, I think, the biggest thing. And the other thing is, and this is a lesson that I learned from myself and, and every single individual in my family is, back those pictures up. Whatever the heck you do, back them up. Put them on a thumb drive, store them at your grandma's house, whatever you got to do, but back them up. Because one of the, you know, the most horrible things that can happen to you is 
you know, like think about it right now. If you walked out of your house, everybody's safe, nobody's in your house, but your house burns to the ground. What are you going to lose that you, you know, that you would dearly miss? And one of the major things that every single person, no matter their age, uh, you know, or anything else about them, if you lose your pictures, you're losing a huge chunk of your history. And, and frankly, my memory is so poor that I use, you know, printed pictures and pictures, you know, on my computer as my memory. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, that's kind of the biggest stuff is, is print stuff and also make sure you back it up. It's a great point you raised there because I have seen pictures of people, uh, I went to my buddy's place a few weeks back and he showed me these pictures that were taken at a cabin, I guess when I, yeah. this was like 20 years ago yeah, yeah. and I had no recollection of this even happening. And this, like, this was very early in the evening before any libations had begun mm-hmm. circulating. I just, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't erased by that. It just, it, it's disappeared from, uh, yeah. from my brain, but, uh, it's a good thing to have that backup. And, and that's absolutely it, right, is because my mom has lost two laptops, um, <clears throat> one of them to Pepsi and one of them for other reasons, um, you know, and people drop their cell phones, uh, you know, a buddy of mine uh, just dropped his cell phone in the toilet, <laughs> you know, my wife did the same thing, you, the potential for loss on these things is huge. What I do, and it's a long process that I won't explain because it just doesn't make sense, but what I do is, because I'm a photographer, my livelihood depends on the photos that I create. I come home from a shoot, I put the pictures on my computer, and then I actually have a friend come over every week or two with a backup hard drive, and he literally keeps that whole hard drive at his house. There's no big backing up to the internet, but that's a good thing too if you can get something like Dropbox going on and just you know, specifically backing up at least one or two folders on your computer every day. Um, but I've got, I've got a double backup of every single picture that I have taken uh, in my 10 or 12-year career. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's, it is super important because the potential for loss uh, due to technology is extremely high. Yeah, it's ironic that this technology that's made us so easy for us to capture these moments is also so vulnerable totally, in, in yeah. terms of us yeah. losing all these memories that we've captured. Dan Harper is our guest. DanHarperPhotography.com is the website. Dan's responsible for that time-lapse video that's gone viral around the world. Winnipeg's celebration, our ode to Canada, the living maple leaf at Portage in Maine. And Brett and I both marveled at how perfect the maple leaf was because as good as some of those living flags have been, uh, the red stripes in particular, not necessarily in proportion over the years. Right. But this was absolutely perfect. And that, let me tell you, because that's an interesting story in itself. We, you know, my logistics go back to figuring out what rooftop I should be on, how high I should be and stuff like that. But the man who has the huge uh, task is named Grant, uh, works through, through the downtown Winnipeg biz. And he was the guy that actually drew out that maple leaf on the ground with his whole crew. And they did just, you can see, you, you, you said it perfectly. That thing is so tight, it's just perfect. And they created, um, uh, you know, again, I was watching this from, uh, you know, above, but they created... Um, a large piece of a template about, I don't know how large it was, maybe 10 or 15 feet tall, 
that they could walk around and create that whole flag with. And they had this thing, you know, tighter than the freaking button. They, they did an amazing <laughs> job of that. And I think that was maybe the most impressive part. And congratulations to everyone who did take part. Uh, can you take a couple moments uh, with us, Dan? We have to pause and update the weather. We'd love for you to stick around for a few more minutes. I want to talk uh, about photography and this yeah. idea. You know, a lot of people list photographer as their dream job. I'd love to <laughs> ask you when we come back if it is a, a dream job, a dream profession. Fair enough? I'll, I'll tell you all about that for sure. And a gigapan with the living flag, uh, living maple leaf too. Yeah, I'll stick around for sure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dan. A gigapan. That sounds interesting. I'm curious to know what that is. We'll... Talk about all that stuff after we have a look at your forecast coming up next. Dan Harper, danharperphotography.com is the website. Dan, responsible for that incredible time-lapse video of the living maple leaf at Portage in Maine on Canada Day. Did you did you use the word gigapan, Dan? Yes, I used a very strange word that not a lot of people are familiar with, but you might have actually even taken a photo like this before. Uh, a gigapan is an actual mechanical device. It's basically a little robot that you program to do all the click, click, clicking uh, in a series of columns and rows in order to take a much higher resolution picture. And what I did, uh, I didn't actually use the gigapan itself, but I used um, their software in order to put it online because they've got a great way of tagging stuff. So what it is is basically just um, 30 or 40 shots stitched together so that you can see a heck of a lot more detail. Uh, and so I used a longer lens than I would have to take in the official photo of the maple leaf. But what you can do uh, is you can go on to gigapan.com, G-I-G-A-P-A-N.com, and if you just search living maple leaf, uh, it'll be the only thing that pops up, I believe. And then what you can do is it's kind of like Google Maps where you can just zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. And, and then you can also tag yourself, which is something that we did with last year's because um, I thought it was just really neat. So I, for instance, I took a snapshot of the mayor. And so when you click on the snapshot of the mayor, it zooms right in to him. Uh, and a couple of other people have already done that. And I'd love, uh, you know, we'd love a whole ton of people to do this, you know, all 3,600 if we could. But <laughs> uh, you do have to log in uh, and create an account uh, through them. I don't think you can do it just through Facebook. But it, it's such a neat thing to be able to find yourself in there because it's such a, a great Where's Waldo, right? You know what? That's an amazing, amazing offer and piece of information. So if you were in that photo, and you can correct me if I'm telling folks yep. wrong here, Dan, go to gigapan.com, create an account, and you can go in, you can zoom in uh, probably more uh, exactly than you can imagine, identify yourself, tag yourself in that photo, and you'll be immortalized in a certain sense. That's right. And it's, the link is also um, just a little bit down the page on my, on my Twitter account. So hopefully people can find it through there or, again, on my Facebook uh, presence. It's just Dan Harper, at Dan Harper for Twitter, Dan? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Dan Harper Photo. Don, Dan Harper Photo on Correct. Twitter. So we have to ask you, I mentioned this before the break, photography would be one of those things, being a photographer would be one of those things that a lot of people might mention as a dream job. What, what, the, um, what do you say to those folks? I would not argue with them. I, I have been an extremely lucky photographer. I, I've been taking pictures for 25 years, you know, ever since I was a teenager and I stole my mom's camera, blah, 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 the same story that a lot of people have. I liked it for the mechanical, you know, like you can see that aperture open and close and I was just so intrigued by how it worked. But 
Uh, for the last uh, 10 or 11 years, I've been full-time. That's all I've been doing. And I've worked with some of the greatest companies in the city, Travel Manitoba, Tourism Winnipeg, people like Frontiers North, the, the Tundra Buggy people up in Churchill, Parks Canada, uh, who I've been up to Churchill for. Um, you know, again, I'm not Jewish myself, but I've worked with the Jewish Foundation. Uh, I've, you know, learned a lot about, uh, you know, a whole bunch of different people that I didn't know anything about before. And, you know, and it's funny, and my mom will cringe as soon as I say this, but I've worked from, for everybody in the same day. I'll work for the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, and then I'll work for Hooters. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, you know, it's very, it's very strange and different, right? And everybody, every client, every person, every individual has their own personality, has their own way of doing things, has their own way that they like working with me. And again, one of my other massive clients that, uh, you know, I'm jealous of myself for having is True North and the MTS Center. So I, I don't do any of the hockey, which is actually good because I've got a couple young kids, but I do all of their concerts and their events, monster trucks, Cirque du Soleil, um, you know, tons of stuff like that. So, you know, I've been, you know, feet away from just about every artist in the world. I, I remember I was shooting Evanescence and uh, a buddy of mine texted me and she said, oh, I'm super jealous. You could touch her foot if you wanted to, you know, and it, it's true, you know. And uh, again, some of the stuff that people don't know about those concerts, but is really interesting for the press photographers and, and uh, you know, I, I don't like using the word professional photographers. I think it's overused. But for the full timers who are, are working concerts, the standard in, uh, in North America and, uh, you know, Australia, the UK and so on and so on is you only get to shoot the first three songs and you can't use flash. So if you don't know what you're doing and you're not confident and you haven't got the experience and stuff, you're screwed, right? For, uh, I remember Celine Dion, we got one song to shoot. And every artist has their own kind of stipulations. Uh, Neil Young, uh, who's a friend of the family, he he's very attuned to, you know, the clicks and stuff of shutters. So if he's doing a quieter concert, he always makes sure the photographers are to the outside of the stage. Um, some people don't like to be, you know, have photographers right up front because again, we get a better than a front row seat for sure. a couple of songs, right? Which is amazing. I've, you know, and there's been some really weird stuff. I got foam cannoned by Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, I've been spit on by Marilyn Manson. Uh, luckily <laughs> I went to the doctor after that. There's no problems there. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then, uh, I've, um, I've almost had a piano fall on me from, from Lenny Kravitz, you know, like there's great stories, but some of the biggest stuff definitely is this maple leaf. Wow. Um, Dan, we other... gotta, Dan, I got to jump in because we're up yeah. against the clock here, as Go we ahead. always are in this business. Can you hang tight? I've got a very specific question from a yeah. listener that I'd like to give him feedback on. And uh, we want to thank you on for air sure. for your time this afternoon and this incredible gift, not only to Winnipeg, but apparently to the rest of the world. People really uh, digging uh, what was put up on the Internet and, and the living Maple Leaf at Portage and Maine. Thanks so much for this. Thanks, guys. And what, just before you run, Dan, what's your uh, website? Website is, uh, I've got two, Dan Harper Photo and then Dan Harper Photography. Dan Harper Photography is kind of, if you love Winnipeg, you'll see a lot of aerial photos there, a lot of stock images. Dan Harper Photo is just my, um, uh, just kind of my, you know, standard uh, business page. All right, Dan, stick around on hold for a second for Greg to ask you that question. The news is next. 135. Not everybody likes the heat, Brett. No. <laughs> 
We've got a great text message here from Mick. <laughs> we went back and forth a little bit. <laughs> Should we go all the way back yeah, here? Yeah, go back. Okay, I we'll need just, some help here. We'll just quickly uh, sort through this. So Mick says, I need some help here. I don't know anybody who heats their house to 28 or 29 degrees in January. Why not? People who crave these odd days in summer probably spend 80 to 90% of the time in air-conditioned comfort, all while wishing they could be outside. The heat takes a toll on people. I believe anyone savoring this heat should attempt to recreate the effect indoors six months from now, 28 is 28 July or January. And he goes on to say, I've come to hate oppressive heat so much, I've changed my mind about being cremated. If heat isn't my thing now, it sure as hell will not be the preferred exit procedure. (laughs) (laughs) And I suggested that lots of us do try to recreate the heat. It's called a trip to Mexico in January, February, March. Yeah, Lots of us do crave the 28 or 29. Anyway, thanks, uh, Mick. Appreciate going back and forth. Send us a text message. Uh, We will always engage with you back and forth. And we may not agree with everything you're saying, but... I promise you, we'll engage with you. Yeah, I mean, there. for example, uh, all, he's clearly listening, or she is listening right now. I just told a listener who has been crying about anytime we say anything anti-Trump, we get a message from this person. It's not who's, even anti-Trump. It's just <clears throat> a story. It's just yeah. something that's going on. Now, not every time you mention Donald Trump's name and reporting a fact about what's going on with him, does it equal anti-Trump, just for the record. Yeah, and yesterday you wished... The United States of America, happy July the 4th, and yes. you were accused of being anti-American yeah. Yeah. by this person. Who And then I went and looked back at all the texts that this person has sent, and it's just complaint after complaint. And I finally said, you know what? I don't really care what you're whining about, so go away. So that, to answer your question, who wrote this comment to me, Brett or Greg? I did. Brett, go away. Quit whining. I don't care. Use a straw. Are you a straw guy? You know what? Occasionally, I was thinking about this because I just went out the other day, went to Pony Corral and Grant, sat in their patio, and uh, when I had a couple of beer and then I had a rum, and I believed that there was a straw in it. Usually, I, I take the straw out, but sometimes I, I will will have the straw. For example, kind of hard to have a Slurpee without a straw. I mean, there are some beverages it's impossible. Try having a milkshake without a straw. I guess you could use a spoon. It's not going to happen. Yeah. That's called a frosty then. <laughs> Or a malt. <laughs> if you have to use a, a spoon. So let's find out a little bit more about going straw-free in a f- plastic-free July. Organizer Whitley Shamer joins us now. Plastic Free Peg is the organization. And uh, just for clarity, I think there's a tie here to Greenpeace Winnipeg as well. Right, Whitley? Yes, there is. Hello. Thanks for taking some time with us today. Tell us about this movement to have Winnipeg and Winnipeg restaurants go straw-free under most circumstances? All right. So this movement started with Plastic Free July. It's a global campaign to spread awareness of plastic pollution, as it is really suffocating our world. Um, Their challenge is to go plastic-free for the month of July. So we really wanted to partner with them to get our city involved. And instead of just going to the individual challenge of getting people to stop using the water bottles, the takeout containers, plastic straw, anything with plastic. We really wanted to um, go right towards the source, which are the restaurants putting the straws in the beverages. And 
we have got such positive feedback from the restaurants who are who have joined us. Because really, do you need the straw? <laughs> it is very uh, such a simple way to decrease the amount of plastic pollution in our city. Well, and it's, you know, it is a great idea because I can't tell you how many times I've been to a restaurant and whether it's me or whether it's the friends I go with, how many times those straws always end up coming out of the drink and then end up sitting on the table. And I know for me, it's always sort of an awkward exchange because I take the drink, the straw out, but it's always kind of dripping. And then you got to find a place to put it where it's not dripping all over the table and making a mess. It would just be easier to not have it. But I never think to say, don't give me a straw. It's just one of those things where you go, oh, I don't really need this straw. Yeah, it, it, the, it is crazy that when you're taking those straws out, they can blow away from the table. It is just an awkward experience. And even when we go out and eat, we say no straw. And the practice of a lot of the restaurants is just putting the straw automatically in the cup. So when the waitresses or waiters come to the table and there's a straw in the cup, they're like, oh, no. So it's a great way to educate them why straws aren't the best way. And it it's just such great feedback we're getting right now. So are you surprised by the uptake uh, by the the restaurants that are opting into this program and, and joining this battle? Uh, we were definitely surprised by the number of restaurants that have already joined. Our goal was 31 restaurants, and we are at 37 right now, which is awesome. And the feedback from our city is so positive. I, I just look forward to next year. <laughs> So, so straws specifically, obviously, it's it, it's a very small item, independent, all on its own. One straw doesn't sound like a big deal. Other than the plastic issue and the the fact that plastics don't, uh, you know, they don't degrade uh, ever. It seems. Uh, I guess it takes hundreds, if not thousands, of years for plastics to degrade. Do they pose other problems in the environment, Whitley? Yeah. So, because plastics don't specifically break down, they break up. So when they break up, um, animals, birds, ocean, marine life takes those plastics into their stomach, thinking that they're food. And with that, they can end up getting starved because the plastic doesn't digest in their system. It just blocks their stomach. So they end up being washed up on shores or found in the wildlife Unfortunately, and plastic, unfortunately, does have chemicals in it where the chemicals can, depending on what source um, of items they use, can leach into our food, water, beverages. It, it is quite scary when you actually go down to the chemical level. So Whitley, uh, organized by the way of Plastic Free Peg, we're talking about this uh, this movement to get restaurants to use, to not put plastic uh, straws in their drinks. Over 30, I think you said 37 restaurants in Winnipeg have signed on for the month of July? Yeah, yeah. So, so the, yes, I'm sorry. So, the, so if, if a diner does come in and say, I would like a straw, they're, they're being provided with a compostable straw? Yes, so we had um, provided each of the restaurants that signed on with uh, a sample of the compostable straws, and and with them signing on, they were making the commitment to use compostable straws for the month of July. We are hoping um, indefinitely, but 
it is a start. And the compostable straws, you actually would not think they are compostable straws because they're actually a lot harder, thicker, less flimsy than the regular typical plastic ones. So we have got such great feedback from restaurant managers and owners when they actually feel the compostable straws. What's it made of? Do you know? Um, it is a corn base. Oh, that's yeah. neat. Do you use compostable golf tees? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> You'd have to do it pretty consciously because I think they're a little bit more expensive. But I know that that's something that came on the market a few years ago, a, a corn straw or something similar. And, you know, how often do you break a tee and you leave it in the ground yep. or you hit off the tee, your tee breaks, and the top part of your tee that you break uh, is never found again. Uh, but these compostable tees are kind of a, a neat way to be environmentally friendly on the golf course. Before we let you go, Whitley, have to ask you, uh, are, are you hoping and anticipating, you touched on it there, the idea of restaurants making this more of a permanent policy to serve straws only upon request? We, we really are hoping because it... it this this campaign is so good for our city. It's got such great feedback. We really hope that it, this empowers the restaurants to continue to only serve straws on request. It's going to save them money as well as it's going to give them a nice environmentally friendly image. Whitley, thank you very much for this. Now, I have to do this. I have to ask you about the origin of your first name because there are a lot of people of a certain <laughs> age that have only ever heard the name Whitley once. And is it a different world? Is that the uh, is that the spinoff from the Cosby Show? A different yeah. world? And is that where your first name comes from? Yeah, my parents were so creative. I love it. My <laughs> name is very original. <laughs> and yes, it's from the uh, a different world. <laughs> That's great. Hey, Whitley, thanks for this. Uh, and we appreciate you sharing the story and, and also what you're doing. Uh, good on you for not only uh, liking something on Facebook and, and sharing an article about plastic, but getting out in the community and doing something about it. I think uh, passive activism has become a, a chronic problem and uh, you are standing up for what you believe in. And, and thank you for doing that. Thank you so much. I hope you both all have a great day. Thanks, Whitley. Oh, hey, what's the website if people want to uh, learn more and, and maybe sign up their own business for this and get involved? So the website is plasticfreepeg.wixsite.com slash Winnipeg, or you can just Google search Plastic Free Peg. So much easier that way. <laughs> Thanks, Whitley Shamer. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, you too. Bye. Whitley Shamer, Plastic Free Peg, talking about restaurants going... Ditching the plastic straws in the month of July and using instead a compostable straw. I think, Greg, to answer your question, I may have used a set of compostable teas before, but it's not something I've ever really thought about going out of my way to pick up. Mm -hmm. But it's just not one of those things that I've ever really thought about. Now that you've sort of put it on my radar, I think I will. Maybe next time I go to get some teas, I'll... I'll have a look. Yeah, I think it's just so amazing, uh, the stuff that has been made over the years. And it's available if you're a business owner or, or a consumer. Uh, you just have to look a little bit harder. And, and sometimes it's more expensive. But in this case, this movement, it just means, you know what, when you order a drink and if you're at one of these uh, 37 participating restaurants, clearly they're going to ask you if you want a straw. But if you're at a number of the, you know, other 2,000 restaurants in Winnipeg, sometimes all it takes is to say, 
no straw. How many places do you go? They give you not only a straw with your pop or your other uh, mixed beverage, and they bring you a straw for your water. You'd never drink water <laughs> with a straw at home. No. Right? No, I don't. There, There is a place... I can't remember which one it is now, but when I uh, the odd time that I that it might have a, a nice little shot of uh, rum, sort of an expensive rum, they I get like it's not a straw, but it's still a piece of plastic. It's the just stir a, stick. I guess it's just a fancy stir stick, and I always I, it's sort of a nice touch of class, but I think it's just a prop that I end up fidgeting with. So. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you fidgeting with something. <laughs> yeah. How's so, your new fidget spinner? Uh, it's good. I, I ordered a fidget spinner, a second one, because it looked shiny. <laughs> Are you going to have to check that in your locker before you come to your desk in the morning? Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to take it home because I can hear it calling to me right now. It wants to be fidgeted with, and I think I'm going to have to go get it when we before we look at our forecast. <laughs> we'll take a pause. Brett will go get his fidget spinner, and I will update you on the weather in just about two and a half minutes. It's Greg and Brett. Of course, I jest the Blue Bomber home opener, all Blue Bomber home games right here on 680 CJOB, and the road ones as well. Voice of the Blue Bombers, Bob Irving, Doug Brown, cast of several on the broadcasts. Uh, Brett McGarry, Greg Mackling with you through until 4 o'clock this afternoon. People are kind of grumpy today on the old text, mas- text machine here. We just had a conversation about plastic-free peg. This is uh, it's part of a global movement, actually, for the month of July to try to challenge businesses, restaurants in particular, to not use plastic straws to if to serve a beverage if you order a beverage to not put a straw with it and if the diners request a straw that they instead provide a compostable straw so it's just a small thing that that companies that we can do maybe to help out the environment and we found it rather interesting we thought we would have a chat about it so we (laughs) and listen i hey i we don't have to agree with you to still find your texts uh, amusing or interesting or whatever. And we got a text here from somebody who says, what a joke. Now we're supposed to worry about straws and teas, a a golf teas. I'll take 10 straws, please. I won't even use them. I'll just throw them out. So that, that made us laugh at first, but then the next one, do you want to go back to a world without plastic? You're crazy. Maybe study up on why we use it. Yep. By suggesting that, by, by doing an interview on, on Plastic Free July for plastic straws, we're not saying the world eliminate plastic. I don't think that's what, that's certainly not what I was getting at. Maybe I missed something from Whitley's message there, but I think we're talking about the, if we can reduce the plastic in the world, I don't think that's a bad thing. These are optional items. Yeah. And one tiny little thing multiplied by... 33 million in Canada can have a difference. If you're not concerned about it, no problem. And we're certainly not suggesting we're prepared to send in all our plastic items for recycling and to go back to a world without plastic. I don't think we went anywhere close to that conversation. Anyway, um, keep the text messages coming. It's, uh, It's great to have the discussion in either way. And then the follow-up says, do you realize how much water we save using plastics instead of, say, regular plates, cups, and cutlery? That's just one example. Again, not saying let's let's eliminate plastic from the, the face of the earth. It's just a small thing that I think we can do to try to help out our planet. That's, that's all. 
You, you know, thing. when I worked at Chi-Chi's back in the late 80s, early 90s, we used to put, before you even sat down, a giant four-liter jug of water with ice on the table. And then you'd come to the table, you'd sit down, and we'd greet you with tortilla chips and salsa. Okay? First of all, not everyone wanted water. So we dumped hundreds of gallons of water and ice every day. That's electricity, manpower, water. Not everyone liked both hot and mild salsas. So we would dump out gallons of salsa every single day that went untouched, unused, because we were providing these things without giving folks an option. And finally, someone said, do you think maybe we should take the jugs of water off the table and ask people if they'd like a jug of water? doesn't really add a major step, major amount of time to our day. In fact, it would probably save us time because as many people would say yes as say no. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the amount of water, the amount of energy on making the ice and pouring the water, standing there waiting for the jug to fill, the amount of labor that we would save. Yeah, good point. You know, once again, is it going to change the world all by itself? Nope. But it was a really good suggestion and it went a long way in making a tiny bit of difference. Great and it point. was not a big deal. Great point, Greg. After the 2 o'clock news, we are going to switch gears and tell you a story about three women from Israel who are trying to immigrate to Canada, but so far, no luck. We're going to speak with a couple of them. They're going to join us on the phone from Israel after Global News at 2 o'clock. There are some people who think it's a good idea to talk about these plastics and the little things that we can do. Going back and forth with Rui about one plastic in particular he's concerned is not recyclable. I've asked him to send me an email, gmac at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com. Maybe we can start asking some questions. It's the plastic that you pull off if you buy a new TV or a new monitor. It's mm-hmm. kind of heavy, right? It's almost like a film. Yep. And uh, Rui has gotten very little reaction from uh, the folks uh, at the city as to whether or not this plastic is recyclable. Some of them have numbers, some of them don't. So if you have questions and and things like this that you'd like us to take a look into, we'd love to hear from you. We can't promise anything magical, but we will certainly do what we can. And another texter saying, you know, it's good that you're talking about this. Have you ever been to Brady Road to the landfill? It's, It's a disgusting place. So much of what goes into the landfill does not need to go in the landfill. We don't need to use it necessarily even in the first place. And that was the sentiment of our guest at one thirty. If you don't need a straw, don't take a straw. Yeah. Plain and simple. On the, and just very quickly on the subject of Brady uh, Road as well, we got a great picture yesterday afternoon from somebody who yes. I believe was sending us pictures of storm clouds, but it was taken from what they called Mount Brady. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a picture just as a whole bunch of seagulls were taking off. So it was actually quite a wonderful photo, I'm sure, Dan Harper would have approved our photographer that we spoke to earlier. I want to talk right now about something uh, we have. We deal with a publicist in Alberta. His name is Mickey Mickelson, and he sent us uh, a number of some of our favorite guests, Adam Dries, who is an author, uh, who writes the uh, the Wizard Killer series, for example, and a whole bunch of cool, cool books. Can't remember them all off the top of my head because there are so many of them. But he also pitched one our way couple of weeks ago, he says, I have something a little different for you, and I hope you will find it of value. I touched base with a friend who is a publicist of her sister's book in Israel. They are trying to, get, to immigrate to Canada without any luck. 
So he pointed us to uh, their website. It's authorandsister.net. And on their blog, this dates back to June 12th, there is a post that is titled, A Promise to You Fulfilled, More About Our Canada Quest. So on the phone with us, we have Kate Everward and Claire Everward. Again, sisters, they work together. Claire is a suspense author. Kate is her publicist and manager. And they are calling us from Israel. Where exactly are you in Israel, by the way, Kate? Hi there. Uh, Good to be on the show. Uh, We're in the center of the country, very close to Tel Aviv. If you know, you probably know. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We do appreciate it. So you two and your your mother, your 72-year-old mother, are trying to get to Canada, but you're not having any luck. So, Kate, why don't we start with you? Uh, first of all, why do you want to come to Canada? Well, um, Canada is basically a way of life. It's the way we want to live life. Um Although, I'll start with saying that no one is perfect, but Canada is a country that tries. It's a country that improves itself. It's a country that has the same values and and culture that we want to be part of. What is the reason for wanting to leave Israel? Kate or Claire, whoever would like to answer that. Oh, Claire, hi. And uh, I'm Claire. Yeah, um... (laughs) Listen, I'm 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 talking to I'm talking to you. I'm I'm sitting in this room that I work. Um, it's actually a concrete room. It has a blast window, uh, a, an iron door, and that's the room in our home that we use when there is a war. And that's one very big reason for um, wanting to leave. Israel is either in a war or between wars. The last war came too close. Uh, the missiles came too close. Um, and you, you probably know Israel is enough on the, on the news. There are many terror attacks here all over the place. Um, we're afraid. We're tense. We constantly watch the news. Every ambulance siren or, or, or police car siren makes us jump. Um, you constantly see aircraft, military aircraft, military helicopters going by. We want some peace. We want to live in peace. Add to that the fact that we are women, and Israel is an increasingly not good place for um, for women. Uh, things are changing here. It is less safe for us. There are less freedoms um, for us. It might sound different because uh, it, it, it might sound odd because Israel is known as a democratic country, but the fact is that. Things are changing here, and um, one thing we're finding out is that there are many ways to oppress a population without officially taking the rights away. That's happening here. Can so you give us? Sorry, yeah. Claire. Can you give us an example of how that's happening? You mean safety? How um, how women are being example, oppressed, but with with changes there. Oh, so much is changing. For one. Crimes against women are not exactly prosecuted. Um, men who commit crimes against women, this is actually unbelievable, it's 2017. Men who commit crimes against women, um, 
are either let off easy or are not prosecuted at all. Uh, police chief here is actually, the Israeli police chief is actually behind that. Um, as we are, we are not, um, I, I don't know, if you've, anyone who will read their Canada quest will understand more, but um, we're not Jewish. Uh, we're Anglicans. And the thing is that Israel is becoming an increasingly religious place. It is becoming increasingly right-wing. And if you speak, you need to be careful what you say. You need to be careful how you speak. If you say the wrong thing, if you are perceived as being um, as not following the religion or not following, uh, I'm sorry, political, certain political views, if you try to voice opinions that are not like those of the people around you, the reaction is, is violent. The reaction is extreme. We talk to each other, Kate and I, before we go out, and we just make sure we don't say the wrong thing. We keep our interactions with people to a minimum. We keep to ourselves. Um, yeah, we keep to ourselves. The thing is also, e- even before that, one thing you need to understand is that, um, again, we've lived here our entire lives. We were born here, and sometimes you were born in the wrong place. Sometimes you're born in a place that doesn't fit you. Sometimes you're, play- you're born in a place that, in which you stand out. That's who we are. We are two sisters who were raised by a, an amazingly strong um, mom, a single parent, and we have been taught to be, to be strong, to voice our opinions, to take our way absolutely independent. We are highly educated. Seriously, she threatened us. If we, I mean, we had to go to university. Um, we go our way. And people don't take to this very easily, or certainly not nowadays. Um, We're joined on the phone by Kate Everward and Claire Everward. They join us from Israel. They are sisters, but they also work together. Claire is a suspense author. Kate is her publicist and manager. And I should just point out to you listening to this radio station, there is a slight delay. The reason why you're hearing that delay between the point where we ask a question and they respond is because we're speaking to them in Israel. Kate, I want to put this question to you. Uh, this process started in December of 2014, where you, your sister, and your mother tried to or began to try to come to Canada. What is yeah. holding you? What's holding the process back? Why are you not having any luck? Well, it's interesting because we definitely started a legal process. We we agreed that we're doing everything legally. Um, we applied for. Uh, specific specific visas, I won't get into details. Um, we applied and we didn't receive answers for those specific visas. Um, and back back then, it, it's already, we're even counting the days, 927 days. Um, and since then, yeah, we, we use lawyers, by the way. We, we wanted to make sure that we're doing everything right. So we did use lawyers because everyone also recommended to use lawyers. Um, and we didn't receive answers. And since then, um, well, we actually applied also for other types of visas and also asked 
consulted additional attorneys and um, additional consultants. And it's completely insane. Uh, everyone basically told us, um, well, they went onto some kind of uh, immigration website, Canadian immigration website, and checked some kind of software and told us, okay, um, you don't have enough points. I won't get into the point system, but basically we, we were told different things. You're either uh, too old, which is completely insane, or <laughs> you don't have the right jobs, or things that simply didn't make sense. Um, when we asked, we asked to talk to someone, we asked to explain that there is an exception, that we are exactly the type of immigrants that Prime Minister Trudeau talks about in all of his interviews, in all of his speeches, we found that there's basically no one to talk to. I mean, we're, we were reduced to numbers. Three highly educated, English-speaking women who are also self-employed. We have our own business. Author and sister, we have books online. And we were completely blocked by an invisible wall. You can't talk to anyone if you ask for some kind of help to send someone a letter, you can't. And that's one of the reasons we also approached the media, in order to get someone to pay attention, to see that there are people who are simply some kind of an exception that they should be allowed to enter. The fact that you want to come to Canada, why Canada? Other than you just iterated that in his words and his speeches, Justin Trudeau you suggest you are exactly the kind of people that he says we want in Canada. Why Canada for you? Canada is the exact opposite of where we live now. It is the exact opposite. I cannot, I can't tell you what it's like to live here. I can't tell you what it's like to live a life in which you feel, you feel caged you feel as if you are in the wrong place and there is nowhere to go and no matter what you do no matter how you try to to move forward to to fulfill dreams you cannot do that this is a tiny country it is limited in so many ways now enters canada canada is beautiful canada uh, we've got a lot of buildings and a lot of well desert Canada is beautiful. You, you, have you ever seen your own country? You know, look, look above. Forget the, the, the Google photos. Look, use Google Earth. Look from above. Such beauty, such spaces, so much green. Everything is so big. There are so many opportunities. Now look at your country. Um, Canada tries to improve. It is constantly trying to improve. It co no, there are problems, obviously there are problems in all countries, but Canada tries to improve. It is trying to improve um, um, conditions for seniors. It is trying to improve education. It is trying to, to run forward with technology, make sure it is in the 21st century and ready for the 22nd century. century. It is trying to, 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 to improve, to, to find um, to encourage new leadership. It is trying to uh, improve health care. It is watching out for the environment as per your previous item. It is trying. It is progressing. It is looking at itself, listening to its own problems. 
when something is wrong, when you don't like something, you shout, you go out, you 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 talk, you you use politics, you elect new people, you you voice your opinions, you change. You have such freedoms, you have such such opportunities. You can do so much in your country. You want to be a part of that. We started author and sister. You know what, Kate and Claire, I'm sorry to do this abruptly. We try to find a nice spot where we can just reach in and put you on hold. We we need to pause for a moment and check our forecast. So we're going to put the two of you on hold. We have Kate Everward and Claire Everward. They are sisters in Israel. The two of them and their mother are trying to immigrate to Canada. They're being told they they don't cut it. They, they the point system is not good enough for them to to get over here. So we're going to continue the chat. We'll only have a couple of minutes when we come back, but we do want to uh, wrap up this conversation. We're just going to check your forecast in a moment on six eighty CJOB. Greg and Brett with you until four o'clock this afternoon. Kate and Claire are joining us from Israel. Kate Everward and Claire Everward, they're two sisters who work together. Claire is a suspense author. Kate is her publicist and manager. They are trying everything they can to come to Canada in a legal fashion. They have applied to come to our country with with zero success to this point. They're sharing our sto- their story with us this afternoon. And, and ladies, I have to ask you, we had a text message come into the radio station. Someone wants to know, her name is Heather, she wants to know if, if you are in any danger by coming on air with us today. No. Heather, thank you, first of all. We're not in any danger. Um, we are a bit worried because at some point... It will see no one here knows what we're doing. It's that simple. No one here knows what we're doing. If anyone were to know, no, uh, we, we, we won't be in any danger. Um, but we wouldn't we'll, be liked. We won't be liked. There will be repercussions. We talked about it. We will deal with anything that comes. But for now, we have managed to keep it quiet. No one knows. No one even knows about the books or anything. We keep, we, we, you learn to keep to yourself, you know? You learn. Can we, qualify, we can we qualify one thing? Brett and I both are certain we heard you say that you are Anglican in terms of religion. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, listen, this is Israel. There are people from all over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We weren't sure yeah, if we heard you. We weren't sure if we heard you accurately there or not. We have 60 seconds yeah, well, left. So, Claire, uh, do you have, I guess, a, a closing statement that you wanted to make before we wrap up our time together? E- yes, please. Uh, what I wanted to say is um, I, I want to make clear that we're not asking for anything. We're not asking for jobs. We're not. We're asking for an open door. Canada, please open the door and let us in. We don't we need anything. We have, we're self-employed, we've got our books, we're planning to grow, we are going to grow. Uh, we have another book coming out in a couple of months. We want, to be, we want to do everything there. We want to be Canadians. That's it. Okay. We'll do everything ourselves, just let us in. All right, Kate and Claire, thank you so much. Once again, Kate and Claire Everward, sisters, they, you can read their blog posts where they talk more about their journey as well. The website, once again, is authorandsister.net. 
and it dates back to June 12th. The blog post is called A Promise to You Fulfilled More About Our Canada Quest. And if you want me to just send you the link to that, just shoot me an email, brett at cjob.com. Or maybe you don't like me, but you like Greg. gmac at cjob.com is his email address. That's G-M-A-C-K at cjob.com. Thank you so much, Kate and Claire, for taking some time to speak to us from Israel today. They're trying to immigrate to Canada with their mom, and so far, no luck. Coming up to Global News at 2.30 on 680 CJOB. How long would you have to work to make $100 million? Uh, Don't answer the question. Here? Wait, anyway. I think like, probably, yeah. um, probably uh, 100,000 years, I would imagine. 100, 200, 500,000 years? $2 a year? I don't know. 20, anyway, um, that math I can't do. This math I can. Connor McDavid, the captain of the Edmonton Oilers, has just signed an eight-year contract with the Oilers with an average annual amount of $12.5 million. Did you want to do the math real quick? Eight times 12.5? $100 million. He got 100 points last year, so million dollars a point for last year over the next eight years. That's not bad work if you can get it. That's pretty good, man. I like it indeed. Good for him. Yeah. It's a significant, that's a lot of money. It, it, it seems like a lot of money for hockey. Is that a lot of money for I hockey? think I saw something. They were talking last week that his contract was going to be closer to $13.5 million. They call it in the NHL. The reason I stumbled there is that they call it something called AAV, average annual value. That's how they figure it out, and that's the hockey terminology. Push that aside. I read something on Twitter the other day, so it may or may not be true, uh, but the source I trusted suggested at $13.5 million, uh, that would make him the 71st or 72nd highest paid basketball player. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. So the NBA, of course, fewer players, bigger contracts. Uh, so in comparison... Mm. It's not, uh, I was just about to say, not a gigantic amount of money. It's a gigantic Fool amount me. of money. It is a gigantic amount of money to do anything, let alone uh, play a sport that you love. So uh, this is official. This has been in discussion and part of uh, the rumor mill for, oh, going on about a week now. It is official that Connor McDavid has signed a $12.5 million contract, eight years in duration with the Edmonton Oilers. It would take me 2,500 years. 2,500 years. To okay. make $100 million. <laughs> Connor McDavid is going to take eight. <laughs> ah, that's, that's my reaction to that. Sigh. Let, let's do this fun story first. Okay. About the cat. In New Brunswick. Oh. Do you want to read that for us? Sure. Uh, you know what? It feels like we need to just kind of go on Facebook almost in a literal sense, but this will be in a radio sense, and go and find a, a, a cute kitten story. Well, this is a, a great story that I that I saw here. I know that Christian O'Mell read this in his 12 o'clock news. This is a story out of Sackville, New Brunswick. We're actually not far from Sackville in Winnipeg. It's just a few blocks west along Ness and Silver. A New Brunswick cat who had been missing for six weeks, six weeks, had an unlikely savior, a dog. Shelly Collette was walking her dog, Cash, a few weeks ago in Sackville when the black border collie Labrador mix stopped over a manhole and refused to move. Collette looked down and saw a cat through the grate and immediately knew it was Ghost, a local cat who had been missing for weeks. She called Ghost's owner who rushed to the scene. The ghost's owner, by the way, is named Izzy. 
City workers were able to remove the manhole cover, but it wasn't until about nine hours later that Ghost finally emerged and was caught. The cat received his name because of his notorious elusiveness. He was once found inside a wall, and it took nearly a month to catch him. (laughs) Cats. I mean, it's a great story that the cat was found, uh, and all is well. Everyone's reunited. Cats are a nightmare, though, if they get out. I feel always felt bad owning cats because they wanted to go outside. You so know, they, badly, they see the right? dog going outside. They yeah. want to go outside. But they won't go on a leash. No, they refuse to go on a leash, and then you let them out, and then they just escape. Mm-hmm. They, get, they find some crack in the fence, and they sneak through it, and then you're chasing them around the, the neighborhood for God knows how long. I know some people just let their cats roam and whatever, that's fine. But I, I didn't want to do that. And uh, I did try to take the cat for a walk once and he he actually toppled over in protest. I, I started walking him and he just kind of looked at me and stopped moving and just plump. Well, what, so I what, dragged him down the street. What's that distasteful joke from when we were kids? What do you do with a dog with no legs? Take it out for a drag? That's what you do with a cat. (laughs) If you put it on a leash, you take it out for a drag. I did have to drag him for a few yards before I think I finally just gave up. Picked him up and walked him down the street. (laughs) I carried him. Uh, I caught an article uh, Free Press did the other day. They said the number one dog name in Winnipeg is Charlie. Charlie! By, By a long ways, too. Very common name. Trying to look up the article, but... I don't have uh, my paywall information on this computer, only my computer at my desk. Okay. So I can't get into the article right now. So Charlie is the the champion. What was the name of uh, your dog that uh, no longer lives uh, in Canada? Dexter. Dexter. Why Dexter? Is that after the TV show? Yeah, we both really liked the show Dexter. and But it wasn't so much because we loved the television show and had to name our pet that. We just, you know, because I had bandied a, about... Uh, I think another one that I, I sort of liked was Morpheus because I, uh, I just I like the Matrix and I think the name's cool, but it didn't work. That, that I think that Morpheus would work for either a, a gigantic dog or a really tiny dog. You know, it'd be if you had this like a Yorkie, <laughs> yes, to name it Morpheus, yes, would be funny. But this was a kind of a mid-range dog and just didn't seem to work. And Dexter seemed to. We seem to, it just sort of worked. We're like, yeah, let's go with Dexter. You always have to think about how you sound when you're out in the neighborhood, should that dog get out of mm-hmm. the yard, yeah. and how you would look calling that dog <laughs> by a certain name. There has to be a certain match there. Uh, our dog's name now is Abby. It's uh, you know not the most original name in the world, but it, it totally suits her. But when I was dating my wife, my dad had a dog, and that dog lived out in Minnedosa for about 12 years, maybe 10, and uh, had been through every adventure manageable, uh, imaginable, uh, had, you know, bitten a porcupine, got the quills through her her cheeks. Oh. She'd been uh, bitten by a skunk, sprayed by a skunk. She used to have the run of the campground out in Minnedosa. She used to get arrested all the time by the dog catcher in Minnedosa. And uh, typically, you know, when you're a little kid and your and your dog um, disappears one day, and your mom and dad will say, "Well, you know, we took a, the dog out to the country." Oh, you know yeah. what that means, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, typically dogs go to the country to retire. This dog came to my house to retire because I wanted a dog, and so this dog's name was Jackie. Came from a shelter. <laughs> well, 
not two weeks after committing to take Jackie into my life, I started dating a Jackie. Oh, no. Yes. Okay. So, of course, Jackie and I got engaged. Um, what are we going to do? <laughs> got a dog named Jackie and a fiancé named Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I had to change the name. You had to change the dog's name? And Jackie refused to change her name. Oh. So, uh, we changed the dog's name from Jackie to Wrigley. Okay. And at 11 years old or thereabouts, she actually took to it pretty good. Really? Yeah. Wrigley so, is in Wrigley Field. As in Wrigley Field. Okay. Yes. One of my favorite places on the planet. The anti-American person that I am. Wrigley Field is like my favorite place in the entire world. Um, so it got me thinking when I read that article in the free press the other day about the dog names. How did you come up with the name for your dog? 204-780-6868. Listen to this. Have you, well, I mentioned Family Guy off the air. How big of a fan of Family Guy are you, Greg? I'm a big fan. So you'll probably recognize this then. This is of the late Adam West talking to his cats. Damn, I lost them. All right, cats, back in the bag. Come on, Fluffy. Come on, Mittens. Come on, Paul. What a ridiculous name for a cat. Paul, that's a person's name. A person's name. (laughs) (laughs) The people names are, the people names are super big trend right now, right? Yeah. Dogs named Kevin and such like that. Yep. Yeah. I I don't know. Jackie. mm, Yeah. Charlie, my my neighbor's a... They have since moved to a different part of the city, but they got a cute little dog, and its name was Charlie. So I don't know that, that that's a a person name, but it it works. I think. Oh, it totally pet. works. I'm surprised Bailey wasn't at the top of the list. Really? Yes, I knew more people with a dog named Bailey than any other name, and it wasn't even close. I had like uh, went back uh, end of high school, university. Early working days, I had like four or five best friends that we all hung around together. Three of them had a dog named Bailey. Really? Yeah. Ridiculous. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. It is the number to text. We're already getting some some text messages and some phone calls, I believe, on dogs. So how do you name your pets? What do you do to, to find the name? As we learned from uh, Free Press a few days ago, what's in a dog name in Winnipeg? Charlie. Rules the kennel. Find out a little bit more of that. Your phone, your phone calls, your texts at 204-780-6868. How do you name your pets? And what do you think of this trend towards naming them after giving them people names? 204-780-6868. Your forecast is up next. Getting a lot of great text messages on the subject of dog names, pet names. How does one name a pet? There's a story in the paper a couple of days ago that Charlie is the king of the castle when it comes to dog names in Winnipeg. So we wanted to know what you think about all this. We've got Adam and Mike on the line. We'll start with Adam at 204-780-6868. Adam, did I just hear a dog bark in the background? No. Okay, my just my uh, imagination. I'm driving with hands free. It's the guy next to me. He's got a dog in his back seat. Maybe he's listening to the program. <laughs> so what? Uh, what do you have to say, Adam? Well, I went and picked up my dog. Uh, I was into Gigi, and the guy pulled me back and forth. He was a champion bloodline bulldog, old English bully, and they should be about 
maximum 75 pounds. When I got there, he wanted 2800 bucks with all his stuff, and he was really small at four months. Then I got it out of him that he was uh, the runt. So I ended up getting him for well less than half the price, and I, you know, I was happy with him. He was a great dog. But then he, I, so I named him Tank as a joke because I thought he would be way smaller. Well, he ended up being the largest bulldog I ever saw, and he's the biggest baby. He's like 100 pounds of solid muscle, and people ask me, like, what, you got him on steroids, or what, what's going on? And he's just amazing, but really big. So his name kind of, I don't know, I named him that. Maybe he grew into his name, I'm not sure. That's weird. So you named him to be just as kind of a gag, and then actually now yeah. he the name is, it fits him. But yeah, they're like, well, how did you know to name him Tank? He was a joke. He was the runt. He was half the size of what he should be when I got him. And he just doesn't stop growing. He's like four years old now, and I think he's still getting bigger. It was supposed to be ironic. It turned out to be actual fact. Hey, thanks for that story, Adam. Uh, Brett, I, I command you to start calling me Slim from henceforth. All right. It's All right. Uh, Slim and McGarry. Let's go to Mike at 204-780-6868. Hey, Mike, what do you have to say to Slim? Not bad. Uh, yeah, he's Slim. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got a chocolate lab back in uh, December of last year. So uh, he was three months old, and we already kind of had a name down pat because my son, he loves Ghostbusters. He's five years old, so we decided to name him Buster. Well, it couldn't have been a more appropriate name because that dog busts everything. He chews uh, <laughs> phones. He chews remote controls. He chews shirts. He chews legs from the table. He chews couches. Anything he can get his teeth on. So Buster couldn't have been a better name for him. Beautiful. All right, Mike. Thanks for that. We appreciate it very much. Uh, it's, you know, I, I I laugh because I, uh, as a one-time pet owner, it's it, they destroy. Pets are great, but they destroy. I suppose babies do too. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just part of the. It's part of the charm. Uh, we got a text here from Tim that made me chuckle as uh, it, it it played to my couch potato sensibilities. Tim says, "I wanted to name our dog Bubba Yaga after John Wick." Side note, Baba Yaga, they, that's, uh, they called him the boogeyman. John Wick was the boogeyman, Baba Yaga. My wife said, no, that's stupid. She allowed me, though, to name him Apollo Creed. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. All right, that's a good compromise. From the Rocky films, Carl Weathers. I can, uh, I can endorse that. My dog is a black lab. Got her from Zoda, Manitoba. We live in the RM of Springfield, so we named her Zoda to keep her heritage. Very nice. Barbara says... All my pets have been named after cars. I had a Chevy. I have a Porsche. I had an Echo. I have a Titan. I had a Mercedes. And my dog, I was going to name him after a truck, but I couldn't find anything that suited him. But I named him Boston. (laughs) So all of your pets have been named. Oh, my cats, pardon me. All of her cats have been named after cars. But the dog is named Boston. I like it. Buddy of mine actually has a dog named Boston as well, so that's that's a popular name. Gail is at 204-780-6868. Hey, Gail, what do you think about pet names? Well, I think you really got to look at where they're from and what they look like and their personality. Um, years ago, I got a Neapolitan Mastiff puppy, and within being in the house for 15 minutes, he passed some wind and turned around and growled at his butt. And we were trying to... <laughs> Yeah, we were trying to figure out a name for this dog, 
because he was going to be massive, being a mastiff. But the look with the droopy eyes and the big jowls and just the stupid look. At the time, there was that uh, TV program on with that Bam Marjam, and he had an uncle okay. that was not very smart. So we named the dog Don Vito, and it fit perfectly. Uh, I mean, translation was Uncle Victor, but regardless, he was Italian, and the name suited him to a T. We also had a pet bunny that we named Stu, which was very <laughs> funny. Oh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. You got to take a look at them and see their personality. And Don Vito fit perfectly. And everybody that met that dog said that is the perfect name for him. Was the show uh, Viva La Bam? Uh, Jack. I don't know if I can say that word on TV. Absolutely. Jackass. The uncle was Don Vito. Oh, right? that's right. That's <laughs> right. So he wasn't a very smart man. He had the droopy eyes and yep. the big jowls. And the, just looking at this puppy, we thought, you know what? Don Vito is going to fit perfectly. And it did. All right, Thanks, Gail. Gail. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it at 204-780-6868. Let's go to Jim next. Hey, Jim, what do you think? Hi. Uh, my brother uh, and his uh, wife got a new dog. And I could see it was a mixed breed. I said, what are you going to name it? And they were looking at, well, it's uh, Heinz 57, so that'll probably be the name. And I commented to her that, you know, in Australia, a dog like that is, is called a bitsa. Bitsa this, bitsa that. <laughs> and she, she loved it. She says, that's the dog's name, bitsa. 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 Bitsa this, bitsa that. Love it. I like it, too. That's great, Jim. Thanks for that. And we've got 60 seconds left here. We've got all kinds of text messages, and I think we'll uh, try to revisit some of those in the next hour. But let's take Jer while we've got time to get him on the phone. Hey, Jer, what do you think? Hey, guys. uh, i got a dog named Twix, but his full name is Twix Scuttles Bremser III. Uh, When we take him to the vet, they uh, say, well, what happened to the other two? And then we pretend that something happened. We're like, "Uh, we don't talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what's the full name? Uh, his name is Twix, but his full name is Twix Scuttles Bremser III. <laughs> what is the story there? Uh, my wife and I like to mess with people. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Hey, it sounds like you met your match, Jared. Good for you. Congratulations. Have a good day, guys. <laughs> you too. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> That's amazing. Twix Scuttles, did he say Bremner the third? Bresner. 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 Yeah, Bresner. That's great. Oh, I should have asked what kind of dog it was. Uh, but uh, we appreciate the texts and the phone calls. Keep the text messages coming at 204-780-6868. We very much appreciate it. And we are going to pause and talk about, after Global News at 3 o'clock, we're going to talk about the zookeeper for the day. Do we actually have somebody coming on? Do you know? Zookeeper for the day? I'd say it's uh, 9 out of 10. Okay. We 9 think, out of 10. We believe we're going to be talking about zookeeper for the day, and then maybe we'll get to some more Pet name suggestions from you at 204-780-6868. Charlie only beat out Bella by 10 in the population of dogs registered in Winnipeg. Yeah, Charlie was number one at 668. Good Lord. Bella number two at 658. Huge trend in human names for animals. Molly, Buddy, Bailey, Max. Yeah. Lucy, Sadie. Sophie, yeah, those are traditionally animal names. Why are we mentioning this? Well, if you're just tuning in, we just spent, totally by accident, in fact, 
a half hour talking about our pets. We were we were feeling decidedly like shifting gears, but I didn't know we were going to go down the road that we did. You read that story from <laughs> Sackville, New Brunswick, about the dog finding the cat. And then we started talking about the article in the free press that outlined all the names of dogs in Winnipeg that Charlie was number one. And then we started asking you how you came up with names for your dogs and your cats. And we got some great stories. So we decided just to go down that path. And by the way, I don't know if you're on the RCMP uh, mailing list, Greg, but they just sent us a note uh, with a picture of one of their police dogs in action. And it's a handsome beast. So that's just kind of perfect timing. Fantastic. I just wanted to read this before we move on to our next topic. I've always been a fan of the Norse gods, but naming our pup Loki after the god of mischief may have been a poor choice. This guy gets into every kind of trouble imaginable. I responded on text at 780-68 by saying, as Jerry Seinfeld says, when you name your kid Jeeves, you have essentially laid out his life's work. (laughs) You got to be careful. Well, Sometimes it's a prediction. We are still going to talk about animals, sort of, because the Cinnabon Park Zoo is holding a contest called Zookeeper for a Day. It's part of Zookeeper Week activities, and we have on the line with us Catherine Abella, who is a promotions and sponsorship specialist with uh, Cinnaboyne Park Zoo. And Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today on 680 CJOB. Who is eligible to apply for this contest? Because this sounds like fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, the contest is for children ages 12 and under. So we encourage them to participate and uh, submit a short paragraph um, as to why they would want to be a zookeeper for the day. Is there a little test that we can take to prove that Brett and I are actually eligible for this contest? (laughs) The 12 and under, like uh, that's a birth certificate thing. Is there any way we could work around that? Well, I think if you were to put in a submission and you showed up, um, we, we might have a little bit of an issue with admitting you guys as zookeepers for the day. Well, well. Some, many would argue that the maturity level is is far below 12. <laughs> you guys would probably be towering over the children. Yeah, we'd fit right in. Who are you kidding? <laughs> uh, anyway, we digress as, as we often do. So talk about what, what would this entail if I get to be a zookeeper for a day, which clearly neither Brett nor I will be. But should you be lucky enough to be chosen for this, what would that entail? Well, we uh, this will start off in the morning greeting our visitors at the zoo will be our Winston, our polar bear mascot. And uh, he'll be there handing out uh, special gifts to our contest winners. And then we are going to do special behind-the-scenes tour of the zoo with uh, various zookeepers in different uh, animal enclosures showing um, how they look after animals and uh, sharing special facts about them. So this is happening during National Zookeeper Week. So what else do you have planned at the zoo for Zookeeper Week? So for that week, um, it runs from July 17th to the 23rd, and we have our Meet Our Zookeeper. If you join any of our 14 daily keeper talks at the zoo, we encourage children to bring bring their favorite stuffed animal, and they can talk to a zookeeper about that, and they can uh, share special facts about them and take a picture with any of our zookeepers. We also have special crafts that will be going on um, in our gateway to the Arctic building where they can make special thank you cards for our zookeepers. We will have a zoo explorer hunt going on where you can run around the zoo and find different facts about special animals and submit that for a special prize at our Wild Things gift shop. And then you can meet Winston, who will be on site on the weekend as well. 
I am on record as saying I owe my love of certain animals for the fact that I've been able to interact with them, whether through a glass partition or through bars or a cage of some sort. My love of animals comes from actually being able to see them, animals that I wouldn't normally uh, be able to see. But I'm 48 years old now, and for a lot of people, zoos are are becoming passe. They are becoming... uh, Things that that should go the way of the dodo bird. What do you say to folks that say, you know what, it's time for zoos to uh, maybe move on and and close their doors? Well, we're a special zoo here at the Assiniboine Park Zoo. We're a a conservancy, and so, you know, our job is to promote the, you know, the health and welfare of our animals. And uh, we have our uh, special polar bear enclosure, which is uh, actually a rescue area that we have uh, rescued nine polar bears that are in there right now. Um, And we were giving them a special, you know, a second chance at life. Um, They were rescued from up north in Churchill, and if they weren't here, um, they probably wouldn't have made it. So, um, you know, we're we're seen as a rescue center for them. So how do kids get involved in this? How do they submit their applications for Zookeeper for a Day? Okay, so they can uh, submit online at www.assiniboineparkzoo.ca forward slash contest, and uh, all the information is online. Very easy. Fill out the, fill out the form and press submit. When is the zoo open these days, Catherine, with uh, summer holidays in full swing? I know that's a popular thing for folks to do. When, uh, when are you open? We are open every day, 9 to 5 p.m. Thank All you, right. Catherine. We appreciate it, Catherine. And Catherine Abella is promotions and sponsorship specialist with Assiniboine Park Conservancy. I had initially said it is Assiniboine Park Zoo, so sorry for tripping over that. For booting your title, as it were, Catherine, we appreciate you telling us about Zookeeper for a Day. It's a great contest for kids 12 and under. That'd be cool. They get a behind-the-scenes look with one of the zookeepers who will show them some stuff that they'll get a vantage point no one else has. When I was growing up, one of my best friends was several years older than I was. He lived, he was a, he was a neighbor and uh, knew him from the time I was about four years old. And as we got older, that's what he ended up doing. My friend Doug, he ended up working at the zoo and he absolutely loved it. It was, uh, it was the best part of his day. And you and I know a little bit about that. Yep. When we come to work, we're blessed to not detest what we do. In fact, to enjoy it very much. And I suspect that most of the people that work at the zoo and work with animals overall, uh, we were talking with Dan Harper earlier about photography being a dream job for a lot of people. I imagine this is one of those things that would go on a lot of lists when you ask someone, what would your dream job be? And it would be for lots of folks to work with animals. It is 3.15 on 680 CJOB. We still have stuff to give away, so wait for your cue to call for that. We have tickets to give away for an upcoming concert, so we will do that shortly. We also need to look at traffic and weather. Don't call right now. you got to wait for the cue to call, and then we'll do traffic and weather. That's up next. And while tickets are available through Ticketmaster for that show, Theory of a Dead Man, this Friday, July 7th, they're also available right now. Well, it ain't no surprise that you turn me on and leave. It ain't no surprise. Playing this Friday, July 7 at Club Regent Event Center. So please make sure that you can come pick these tickets up before 4.30 Friday afternoon. We have two tickets up for grabs. The question surrounds this. 
Theory of a Dead Man was the first band assigned to Nickelback singer Chad Kruger's production company back in 2001. What is the name of that company? Mm. 204-780-6868. Once again, Theory of a Dead Man, the first band assigned to Nickel Band singer Chad Kruger's production company back in 2001. What is the name of that company? 204-780-6868 is the number to call. In the meantime, while we wait for somebody to call to answer that question, to grab those tickets, we... Got all sorts of text messages here. D O G, D O G. Somebody named their their dog D O. Well, it's spelled D E O H G. D O G. Yeah. D O G. Sure. Uh, someone here says our German Shepherd is called Jamaica Joe. Because why not? <laughs> uh, someone says they got a bulldog named Turd and a lab named J Honey Five. That's oddly specific. Jay Honey 5. I'm sure there's a story that I would like to hear. There. Yeah, I would say. I would say. Um, oh, there was another one here. I wanted. About, oh, the one about Fifi. I, I was asking and, and suggesting that before you name your animal, you might want to contemplate that day when you're running around the neighborhood looking for said animal, yeah. shouting its name over and over again. My mom had a poodle named Fifi when I was a teenager. That little jerk ran away every day. And there's no proud way of standing in the yard cowling Fifi out loud at 16 years old. Try telling it with a crackling puberty voice out loud on the front lawn as strangers walk past. How I lived, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, hey, we got it. I said that, remember the, the gentleman who called and said uh, Twix? Yes. Well, Twi- he, he's texted back, as I said. I wonder what kind of dog it is. Twix Scuttles Bremser III yes. is a chocolate lab. Perfect. That is perfect. What a great name for a dog. I love it. A uh, friend of mine, friend of my husband's had a female Rottweiler. He named Earl the Girl. Lol. I just got a puppy four weeks ago. She looks like a little timber wolf, so we named her Timber. That's from Sandy. Thank you very much, Sandy. And we got a text here as well that says, I have a three-legged cat. I named her Tippy. Is that true? I just was walking or was driving home the other day, and I saw a dude walking a three-legged dog, and it was one of the legs that was missing was its front legs. And it, yeah, at first you go, oh, that dog only has three legs. But you see the dog hopping along. So resilient, man. Our friends, the Mansells in Minnedosa, had a dog named Sasha. Sasha was a beautiful husky, lost her right front uh, leg to cancer, and she just, yeah, she just plugged away. So uh, good on those dog owners who plug away and cat owners that plug away with animals in spite of these things. And, hey, good job. Good job, dog. We have 30 seconds left here. Was there another text that you wanted to read before we... When I was a kid, my dad named our purebred dog... Do you say it? Dachshund? Is that how you say it? Or Dachshund? I think it, I think Dachshund is actually... Dachshund? The, everybody, I used to say Dachshund. But yeah, I think Dachshund. Kaiser, Wil- <laughs> Kaiser Wilhelm III registered, <laughs> registered the name too. Kaiser Wilhelm III. Yeah, the German emperor. <laughs> King of Prussia. Wow. <laughs> Had to look it up. Good for you. Well, oh, sure. yeah, I thought you just pulled that off the top. No, of your no, 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 no. Sometimes I can do that. I was sort of thinking that, but I wasn't certain. So, King of Prussia. We're going to continue on the conversation. Oh, we have a winner. I'll just very quickly identi- uh, congratulate Jennifer Smith, who 
answered the question, what is the name of the company? Theory of a Dead Man was the first band to sign to Nickelback singer Chad Kruger's production company in 2001. The name of the company, 604 Records. So, Jennifer, you're going to see Theory of a Dead Man this Friday at Club Region Event Center. Uh, Tippy, real cat with three legs, by the way. Tippy's owner texted back, uh, yeah, real cat, true story. I never suggested that it was a false. I did. Oh. <laughs> I said, I wonder if that's true. Oh. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, 323. Uh, forecast and sports next. Spell check can be your friend. Sometimes it can be your enemy. We got a text here at 780-6868 about a traffic situation. At the intersection, well, it's actually at the corner of Vacation or Bernie and Dougald, obviously trying to use uh, Siri and hands-free here. Bernie at Dougald, I'm looking. Bernie at Dougald. Oh, Bernays and Dougald or Bagan and Dougald. So it turns out it's Bagan and Dougald. There is... uh, Smashed countertop, it looks like. Oh, boy. Granite, debris all over that intersection. So keep your eyes open for that at the intersection of Dougald and Bagan as you make your way home this afternoon, or maybe you're on your way to work for the evening shift. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you for another 22 minutes. Rapid transit station at Investors Group Field. Yes. Think this is going to make a difference? I think it's going to make a dramatic difference. The president of the Winnipeg Football Club also suggests it's going to make a dramatic difference. Sean Leslie and uh, Keith McCullough, Global News, wrote there, and Sean Leslie filed this report yesterday. Then we can talk about it. It could be the long-awaited solution to bomber game congestion. It should make traffic a lot easier to get out and uh, the ride home a lot more enjoyable. The opening of Stadium Station will direct thousands of transit users to a new exit on the north side of Investors Group Field. You know, after a bomber game or concert, you've got a uh, kind of everybody going off into one direction. Uh, this will split it. We'll get public transportation over here. Bombers brass so confident it's a game changer, they're offering this guarantee ahead of Friday's home opener. If you don't get off campus quicker than you have in the past, we'll give you two tickets to the Toronto Argonauts game the next week. Stadium Station won't be used on a daily basis until the rest of the Southwest Rapid Transit Corridor is open, and that's not expected to happen until 2020. Meaning students going to and from the university won't be stopping here just yet. The city doesn't want to change their route. Until the full leg connecting IGF to downtown is done, leaving this new station just for Bombers games and a handful of other large events of at least 15,000 people. It's going to reduce the traffic congestion and it's really going to increase safety. And they hope lead to more cheers than complaints. Sean Leslie, Global News. So I, for one, have been taking the bus probably 50% of the time that I've gone to Blue Bomber games since they moved to IGF. I guess it's four years ago now. And I know it's in an awkward part of the city for a lot of people. Uh, That location in the heart of the university uh, seems like a dumb place to put a stadium with limited access. But 30,000 people come and go from campus every single day. And I think that the stadium, at least, Brett, I'm hoping that part of the consideration of putting the stadium where they did is the fact that this rapid transit corridor would one day be completed and that a substantial number of people would continue to use the bus. They already are. If you're talking 200 buses, we'll even say just 50 people per bus. Normally they're stacked standing and sitting on a bus. We'll call it 50. That's 10,000 people a game that are taking 
the bus, roughly, plus another 1,000 people that are taking uh, bicycles. So you do the math. All of a sudden, if you've got a minimum of two people per car, uh, that is going to take a lot of stress off of Chancellor Matheson Drive and University Crescent, where those buses had previously been stacked to load passengers. And that meant cars alternating with buses, buses getting the right of way once they were loaded on those two thoroughfares. I think it's going to make a dramatic difference. Uh, fingers crossed for that. I know it's a it's a very Winnipeg thing, and I will be the first to say guilty as charged to say, ah, I wish it was still like this. I... Of course, I, I prefer the old location. The fact that we are right beside it, aside, <laughs> the old stadium location certainly right. would have been more convenient for us then. But I, I had no problem with that location because you could come from any direction. There are all sorts of ways to get out. Sure. You could park far away and, and walk uh, back and, and stumble into any number of establishments. There's really not much out there. But obviously, as Charles Adler is wont to say, I think he may have used this uh, this term yesterday, you can't put the toothpaste back in the bottle, so there's no point in lamenting that. I was one of the people who said, I, I think the location sucks, and I went to a bomber game. I guess it was the first season, and it was a horrendous experience for me. One, it just took a while to get there, and I, I thought this is just really dumb. Two, it was cool. I mean, it was the weather was poor, so that's not against the club or anything like that. That was right. just bad luck. Three, the, the Bombers got killed. They got killed. It was like they got beat by 50 points or something. They lost to BC. They you Maybe maybe you were there, Greg. Yeah, they, I know exactly the game you're talking about. They were scored upon the first play of the game from scrimmage. They were scored upon, and I burst out laughing, and I couldn't help it because it was just funny that the, the game that my friends invite me to, I'm like, yeah, I'll go see a Bomber game. I never go to sports. <laughs> and then, and then they, they get scored on the first play, and it was just the best moment of the game was when Buck Pierce came out for BC, and everybody cheered, and I was in the washroom. So at the one moment worth seeing, I wasn't even present. Anyway, I'm I'm getting a little off track here. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that it's easy to say, "Well, I wish it used to be this way," but it was actually this new busway that made me think. You know what? Maybe it's time to to give it another shot, and we have this staff event happening on Friday, and I was kind of waffling, like, well, last time I went to a Bomber game, I really, I didn't care for the the overall experience, but I, I'm genuinely curious just to see how it works. We saw that drone footage. It's really impressive what they've done here. Uh, kind of makes me wonder why this sort of infrastructure was not in place from the get-go. But I think it's pretty obvious that they really bobbled the ball when it came to the way that this whole thing, the whole building of the stadium was handled. Uh, but I, I'm genuinely curious. And if if it's smooth, then maybe I will go back. Obviously, it's the product on the field that ultimately will drive that extra traffic. The diehard Bomber fans will go no matter what. But it's getting that extra people like me to go out to a game. It's things like the, the experience getting in and out and whether or not the, the team is worth going. Because for me, it's just entertainment, right? It's not a way of life. So it needs to be a, an overall pleasant experience for me to want to pay for future games. I think the football club acknowledges that. In terms of the quality of the football team, I think we've got a team that is going to compete not only for a playoff spot, but be in the conversation for second, third, maybe even first place in the West. 
this season if all goes according to plan. They're as good as they've been probably since 2011, the last time they went to the Grey Cup. I'm not predicting that they're going to the Grey Cup this year. I'm simply saying that they are as good as they've been in the last handful uh, and then some years. And it is all about a total experience, Brett. I agree with you 100%. And I think this is going to alter for a lot of people the experience, not only if you're taking the bus there and back, but also if you're driving your own vehicle, parking and getting off of campus is going to be much, much easier. I firmly believe that. I hope I'm not wrong about it. And uh, Wade Miller certainly hopes he doesn't hope he's wrong about it because he's uh, <laughs> promised you two tickets to the weeks, uh, the, the game the following week against Toronto. Should you uh, go to him and say, yeah, you know what, your promise of it being easier to get off campus uh not so much so uh here's hoping and uh, perhaps this will be the the next the next thing that makes uh, blue bombers uh games even more fashionable yeah i mean maybe t- tomorrow or this week's game likely they're going to have a few hiccups but i would imagine it'll be better than in your in previous uh, attempts so we'll find out on Friday night, I guess. Uh, the, honestly, one of the reasons why I'm going is just sheer curiosity factor. I love it. I want to see Good what happens. Good for you. <laughs> Fantastic. And you'll be going uh, right from San Lucia Pizza, the right at uh, St. Mary's Road. I guess you'll have to go home and put your uh, blue bombering uh, sort of gear on if you have such thing, blue bombering stuff. I have a ball cap. Well, maybe you can bring it. I have a t-shirt that says Believe in Blue. Oh, well, there you go. You're all set. Uh, go to cgb.com, by the way, if you'd like to enter to win a $100 gift card so you can uh, join Brett and I. Fridays, uh, every Friday in July, we will be at Santa Lucia Pizza. They're a gorgeous rooftop patio on St. Mary's Road, right in the heart of St. Boniface, right across the Assiniboine River from downtown. It'll be your excuse to get out of work early, early our Patio Palooza contest at cgob.com. Enter to win. Come down and say hello. It is 347. Traffic, weather, and Julie Buckingham and Richard Cloutier will tell us what's coming up on the news starting in two minutes. Here's a story that's uh, just breaking on our Twitter feed for uh, Global News. The lawyer for the widow of an American soldier killed in Afghanistan said Tuesday they have filed an application so that any money paid by the Canadian government to a former Guantanamo Bay prisoner convicted of killing him will go toward the widow and another U.S. soldier injured. That individual, of course, Omar Cotter. Julie Buckingham, Richard Cloutier joining us now to tell us what's coming up in the news. Julie, hello there. What's up? Um, Looking forward to speaking with our global colleague in London, Jeff Semple, about a street in London... It's its actual street is Bird Street, and but it's now known as Smart Street. And they're doing all of these cool things, some pop-up shops, uh, places where they don't even have cashiers. You basically take a selfie with the item, and it get char- gets charged right to uh, your credit card or your bank account. And, and they're kind of taking this street high-tech. So it's going to wow. be really super interesting to find out more about that. It's considered to be the future of retail. And uh, there's a lab right in London. So Jeff will join us in about uh, less than half an hour on that. And while we're all on summer vacation, uh, there are many University of Manitoba students wondering if there will actually be classes this fall. That contract has expired. 
no bargaining going on whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And the Manitoba Students' Union, the University of Manitoba Students' Union, is uh, stepping up the pressure. We'll have several perspectives on that story just after the 4 o'clock news. Amanda Thornborough, she is a Brandon native originally, is off to Dublin. She will be participating as part of the Women's World Cup rugby team. And she'll join us live too and tell us a little bit about that experience of Heading over to the Emerald Isle, uh, Team Canada ranked third in the world. And a very touching story about uh, Habitat for Humanities build. And uh, the center point of that is going to be a a young man and his family, his two daughters. Uh, They weren't originally in line for the home, but there was a last minute switch and he's getting the home. Yes, President Carter will Mm. be hammering over at uh, his new place coming next week and we'll introduce you to him coming up as well. CNN with some special programming over the last couple of days. One of the programs they showed was the 70s and got a little bit more insight into President Carter. I was just a youngster when he was president. Fascinating guy. Be neat to have him back in Winnipeg for sure. Julie Buckingham, Richard Cloutier, thank you so much, you too. We'll have more on the news from 4 until 7 on 680 CJOB. And don't forget about Charles Adler tonight from 9 until midnight. My name is Brett McGarry. His name is Greg Mackling. Jeff Forte is in master control. Thank you for listening to 680 CJOB.